First Thessalonians chapter 5. Well, I want to thank uh, Pastor for allowing me to come and be here. I've enjoyed my time here a great deal and, and uh, time with him and Brother Mills. It's been good to be with you. Look forward to these next few days as we get together in uh, the conference with Brother Laux. And uh, it's good to see each one of you. And thank you for your faithfulness here on a Tuesday evening, a snowy Tuesday evening. And, uh, you know, since tonight is tomorrow night, we're, you know, <laughs> so... <laughs> And Robin, thank you very much for the meal. We enjoyed that meal over there this evening. Thank you so much for having us over to your home. That was a real treat, and we're glad to spend some time with you there. And uh, in this passage of Scripture, let's have prayer, and then we'll look at this, this passage of Scripture. Father, we pray for your blessing tonight upon on this service. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the message that Brother Mills has given us, and we thank you, Lord, for the truths that are laid out there. And Father, I pray you'll bless uh, this time together that we have in these next few moments, and we ask, Lord, that you will um, help us to grow and change, to become more like Christ, that our lives would be more like him, and Father, we pray that you would um, help us to be better prayer warriors for those that we, uh, that we come in contact with that are out there on the mission field. So we pray for, that you'll bless this time now in Jesus' name, amen. Um, <clears throat> The verse of scripture that we find here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25 says, Brethren, pray for us. And of course, Paul is speaking here. He's speaking about this matter of prayer. And uh, if there's one thing that has impressed me about being here at the church, it's uh, uh, the time that, that uh, Brother Wickler spends in prayer uh, here in the services and... Uh, I was very impressed with Sunday school, how Sunday school was handled Sunday. Uh, I noticed that he knew the names of each of these families. Most pastors do not know the names of their, many of them don't name the names of their missionaries, much less the wives and children. And uh, I, I, I want him to, to know how impressed I am about that, and I know that there's the prayer sheet. I've got one here somewhere amongst all the papers that I have here in my Bible that he handed out Sunday morning that listed all of the, uh, the, the people for prayer. I'm not sure where I put it. Here it is in the front of my Bible. And uh, listed all the missionaries that have been here and how to pray for the missionaries. And I got to thinking about what the Bible teaches about that. And I don't know, whether, Brother Jamin, if you were at Pensacola when I taught this when I preached there on a Wednesday night on this subject or not, but I preached this message on a Wednesday night, and Jim Shetler, I mean, for some reason, he just grabbed this thing and, uh, and took off with it. And uh, I know even today they still use what I'm about to give you in their prayer services to, in praying for missionaries. And what I want to talk about this evening is how to biblically pray for missionaries. Well, you often hear the missionaries say uh, that you want them to pray for them, and we do. We do want you to pray for us. We have prayer cards and so on, and we want you to, to pray for us. We want you to get on our website and sign up for the, the, uh, the prayer updates and all of those things. And I know in, in Brother Mills' case, he can't as freely write on the website as I can and the things that we can put on there. Um, but sometimes we pass that off rather quickly, thinking that the real reason that missionaries are, are at our church is for financial support, and they need that. There isn't any doubt about that. We can't plant churches without that. 
Brother Mills can't operate his ministry there without the support of churches and investing in them. And uh, however, we really depend upon God to meet our financial needs. But we can depend upon God to pray for us. God doesn't pray for us. Who does he have to pray to? He doesn't have anybody to pray to. He's God. And uh, when we see this, we know the Lord Jesus prayed for us in, the, in, in John 17. But we need the prayer support of God's people. But many do not know how or for what to pray. And uh, oftentimes in churches, and this will be the case in your church as well, as you grow and as the, as the church grows and, and you have more and more missionaries coming through, it's going to be more and more difficult to know the need, specific needs of those missionaries. But there are biblical ways of praying for missions that I believe Paul has given us, as well as some other passages, and, and I, I want you to look at those with me this evening. And uh, we need a vision of, of prayer, um, and we need people to catch that vision of prayer. I, I believe in our churches today, we, we have failed to pray as we should. Uh, and um, I know one of the things when I was pastoring, uh, we had a Saturday night men's prayer meeting. We had a Sunday night men's prayer meeting. We had places for ladies to pray. The church that we started down in Winkler, they have in their new building, they have uh, in, the, uh, in the balcony, behind the balcony, they have a men's prayer room here and a ladies' prayer room. And that room is filled with people before their service is praying. They have at their church, they have from, I believe it's Saturday night. I believe it's, or it's either Friday night to Saturday night. 24-hour period of prayer where somebody in their church is praying. They've done that for years. For years they've done that. It's no wonder that God has blessed that ministry as it has been blessed with the number of folks that have been saved and, and the number of missionaries that they have, been, have sent out, in, including the Friesens who went down to the, the Mexican Mennonites. <laughs> All right, I thought I'd throw that in there for you again. But what does the Bible say? How can we biblically pray for missionaries? Well, let's look at how, what Paul said uh, and some others as well. <coughs> but specifically, let's look at Paul. Turn with me, please, to 2 Thessalonians, if you would, chapter 3, and look at verses 1 and 2. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Many times at the end of Paul's epistles, he talked about prayer. And in, in, and in 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 1, he says this, Finally, brethren, pray for us, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. And uh, we also want to look at, at, at this in Ephesians. We're looking at a second passage, Ephesians chapter 6, if you would. And please look at verse 18 and 19. Now, verse 18 is a familiar verse to you. It's part of the, the armor. Uh, and verse 18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. And then in verse 19, and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So Paul in these two passages of scripture is saying, pray 
When you pray for your missionaries, you pray that God will give them power. That God will give them power. Uh, that's, what, that's what they need. They need to have free course, as it says in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Finally, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. I, I think of Brother Mills' ministry. How they don't have the freedom to just go out and hand out tracts and talk to people that way. It's got to be where those people really force them to give them the gospel. Am I correct about that, Brother Mills? And what we need to do, not only for him, but for other missionaries as well, is we need to pray that God will give them power, that they will have free course. Power in preaching. Uh, to this world, preaching is foolishness, but not to the missionary. Every time we go to the pulpit to preach, we must have God's power. And uh, on Saturday nights, when we gather at our church for our men's prayer meeting, and we pray for the services on Sunday, and, we, and, and when I pray, and some of the others, we pray for our missionaries, because they're getting ready to start their Sunday services around the world. We pray that God will give them power in preaching. But not only power in preaching, but power in personal work. In Acts chapter 16, verse 14, uh, Paul is, is dealing there. Let's turn to that passage of Scripture and notice here, as Paul was dealing with a, a single individual needing God's power in that situation uh, with Lydia. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple in the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. It's not our responsibility to open their hearts. God opens their hearts. It's our responsibility to clearly give them the gospel and share the gospel with them so that they can be saved. That she attended unto the things that were spoken of by Paul. And uh, we have missionaries around the world that are, that are out there uh, preaching and dealing with individuals who have absolutely no concept of the gospel. No concept whatsoever. They didn't grow up in a Christian country. And as Brother Mills mentioned, it's got to go all the way back to Genesis and build a foundation. Look, these missionaries need us to pray that God will give them power. That the word of the Lord will have free course in personal work and also in church planting. Time and time again, we find churches planted right here in Acts chapter 17 or in chapter 16. The first few verses there, Paul goes down to Thessalonica and he goes to the synagogue and he preaches. And folks get saved and a church is planted there in our ministry. I, you know, one of the keys to our ministry is prayer. I mean, when we would start, when I was pastoring and we were starting churches out of our church in Canada. Now, I can't do much. Uh, to, in, in some cases, I can't do much to get preachers to have their people pray. If they're not a praying people, I can't do anything about that. But when I pastored, I could do something about that. And we would have prayer meetings. I remember we were not able, our church was not able to go out to, to British Columbia, Kelowna, British Columbia, and uh, through the services that were being held out there for the starting of that church. And what we would do in our church is we had a prayer meeting at the same time as they were having the service, which was two hours different. 
It was 9 o'clock for us. It was 7 o'clock for them out there. And it made a difference. It makes a difference when people gather and pray. And Paul simply says in chapter 3 and uh, verse 1, Brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And that's what we need to do for our missionaries. We need to pray for power upon them. Secondly, we need to pray for protection. Look at the next verse of Scripture, verse 2 of Second Thessalonians chapter 3. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not the faith. There are missionaries that are in situations where they need protection. They need protection from Satan. Go back to chapter 16. We were just there in Acts. And look at, look at Paul. And look what he faced in that chapter. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the divination, spirit of divination met us, and which brought her masters much gain by the soothsaying. The same followed Paul and cried, uh, and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now, how do you think that impacted what they were doing when a devil, when a girl that was filled with the devil was following them and saying, Hey, these guys, these guys are servants of the Most High God. It wasn't a good thing. And of course, Paul, after putting up with this, cast that, that evil spirit out of the girl. In verse 18, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out the same hour. There are those dealing with those kind of things. We... we Look Sunday morning at one of the missionaries here. And I believe it was the Gillespie's. And Pastor, you know more about which one it was than, than I. But there was a witch doctor there. Is that the one? The Gillespie's. Yeah, in Papua New Guinea. I'll tell you what. That dear missionary needs protection from that. I don't know if any of you know Daryl Champlin. And the story that he tells about how he had to confront a witch man. And that witch man had this bed of coals laid down. And Daryl Champlin said, my God is great enough to take care of me. And he walked across that, that bed of coals. And he did protect him. It did take care of him. We need protection from Satan. Secondly, they need protection from religious leaders. There are those who are out there in, in places where uh, those of other religions would take their lives if they could. Some of the, the Muslim countries and so on, we were talking about that a moment ago. There are 16,000 Muslims in St. Cloud. 16,000 in St. Cloud alone. And they're building, I'll tell you who they're building their mosques for. They're building their mosques for the, the Muslims that are coming over to these countries and gathering in groups like that so that they have a place and they're infiltrating our cities. Sadly, there are even some who would try to do us harm who are evangelicals. When we lived in Fort Francis, the evangelical pastors tried to get us out of town 
how sad that is. We also need protection from the lost. In Acts chapter 17, verse 5, there were those that were moved with envy, but the Jews which believed not moved with envy and took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city in an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out, bring them out to the people. There are those that are lost that would do us harm. I remember when I moved to Pickle Lake and started the church there in Pickle Lake, there were those who didn't want me there. I walked into the bank one day. We'd led a lady to the Lord who was one of the bank tellers. She was a real quiet lady. And I walked in the back door and one of the other tellers said to this lady who had just been saved, she said, you see that fellow who walked in the door? She said, if I could kill him and get by with it, I would. She meant it too. I was gone and we had a bomb threat. They called my wife and said, we've put a bomb over at the church. We're going to blow it up. They'd blown a car up the week before. We lived in a mining community. It could easily have been done. She called me and said, what should I do? And I said, well, call Brother Booth and have him go up, take a look at the building. And it was probably April or May, and we were having a blizzard. <laughs> probably wasn't. I think it was in March. It was in March. I'm sure it was. He went up and looked around the building, and there weren't any tracks. They called back just before midnight and said, in three minutes, it's gonna, it, we're going to blow it up. We, we, our house was 30 feet from the church. It was as close as that wall to that wall to the church building. But they didn't blow it up. They could have if they had wanted to. And I'm just telling you experiences that I went through, and, and we live in a country that it's not supposed to be like that. We need to pray for protection. Pray for power for our missionaries. Secondly, we need to pray for their protection. Thirdly, we need to pray for their provision. Go with me to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And basically, all I'm giving you is an opportunity, four words that start with the letter P, that will help you see what the Bible says about praying for our missionaries. Look at verse 8, if you would. For we would not... Uh, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raiseth the dead, who delivereth, delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Now look at that next verse. Ye also helping together by prayer. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. We may not know, and some missionaries will not even tell you what their needs are. Because they're not trusting you to take care of them. They're trusting God to take care of them. But we can pray that God will meet their provisions. What their needs are. The things that they 
the things that we take for granted. I mean, when we lived in Pickle Lake, for us, a luxury was a Big Mac. We didn't have a Big Mac. We didn't have the, I mean, when we, when we said, let's go out to eat, that was the front yard. Okay? I mean, that's the way it was when we lived way up north. And we didn't have a hospital. I remember when my wife, we lost a child. We were, she was expecting and she had a miscarriage. We didn't have a doctor. I don't even think there was a doctor in town then, was there? And she was bleeding terribly. And we had to take her to the airport. I had to get on a plane with her and fly out to Thunder Bay where she could go get in the hospital. I took her to the hospital, put her in the hospital, and I had to leave and go get back on that airplane because I had kids at home that I had to go back to. And I left my wife in the hospital for five days. I didn't get to see her. I don't even know if we got to talk. Maybe we talked a little. We didn't have cell phones back then. The man who is now pastoring the church in Pickle Lake, he and his wife took care of her in Thunder Bay during those five days. I didn't even go back to get her. I wasn't even able to go back and get her. She came back on the plane by herself. And we live in Canada. We don't live in the middle of Africa. Where sometimes it's 12 hours to the nearest hospital by some dirty, dusty road. We need to pray that God will provide for them. Provide their daily provisions. Take care of them. Some of them are without some of the very necessities of food that you and I take for granted. Well, even in Pickle Lake, our, the vegetables came in frozen in the wintertime. That's how we got them. We got them frozen. We had to make our own bread. Ice cream was $7. Maybe that's not too bad now because that was back 40 years ago. So I don't know if that's too bad of a price now or not. But we need to pray that God will provide for their daily needs and we also need to pray that God will provide for their ministry needs they're in places where they can't get things that we take for granted and we need to pray that God will provide those things for them now we we certainly want the churches to learn to trust God rather than churches in the states but that means we must we must be praying even more that God will supply those needs on the field for them as they're ministering in those various places. And we ought to pray for their family needs. Their kids face things you wouldn't even think about letting your children face. And they have the same kind of needs that we have. They have children who need their teeth taken care of. We didn't have a dentist. I don't think we even thought about a dentist those five years we were in, in Pickle Lake. We never even, we never gave that a thought. 
Thankfully, our kids' teeth look okay, <laughs> you know. But think about those missionaries that are out there in some other places. I mean, we could drive to the city, and it was only six hours. I mean, you, you may say, six hours? <laughs> but we need to pray that God meets their family needs. Their spiritual needs as well. Lastly, turn with me please to Matthew chapter 9. There's a fourth area that which we can pray. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and verse 38. I'll begin in verse 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. We can pray for personnel. They need help. And I'm not just saying help from the states. We need to pray that God would raise up people within their churches that they can disciple and train for leadership there. I'm sure that's the case there where you are, Brother Mills. It's not, it's not America is not the answer for the world. <laughs> we're not the answer. Sometimes I think we're the problem. But we need to pray as they are praying. In 1990, we'd gotten to Winnipeg in 1987, we started our first church in 1988, we started our second church in 1989, and we began working on planting two churches in 1990. And one of the most difficult things when planting churches, I was talking to a man in New Jersey today about church planting out that way, I was talking just a few days ago to, to someone else in another place about their church planting effort. The biggest problem that I had was finding pastors for these churches I was starting. And I began working on these church plants, and we decided that we would hold two 13-day meetings back-to-back, -back, that our church would go to church for the entire month of June. 13 days in Steinbeck, Manitoba, and then 13 days in Portage La Prairie, Manitoba. And I began praying, and we as a church began praying, and I found these two men to pastor these two churches. And every time I talked to one of these men, I just saw these flags going up. It just wasn't working out like it was supposed to. I just determined to keep my focus and go ahead and plant this church. And on April the 25th, 1990, we were starting the churches in June having two 13-day meetings in June, the two churches were going to have their first Sunday on July 15th, 1990. And on uh, April the 25th, it was a Wednesday morning, one of these men called me and he said, Earl, he said, I'm not coming to pastor the church in Portage La Prairie. I said, John, you can't do this to me. He said, well, I just don't think it's God's will for me to come. And I, I finally got it. And I said, you're right. It's not God's will for you to come. And you're not coming. And now I was about to do what I said that I would not do after starting our second church. 
I was about to try to start a church without a pastor. And that's not the way to do it. I went to my people that Wednesday evening and I told them what happened. And I said to them, we have to pray that God gives us a preacher by Friday at 3.30. Or we're going to have to change our plans. Nothing happened on Thursday. Nothing happened on Friday morning. Friday about 3 o'clock, my wife called me from the house. And she said, honey, I've got a letter you probably ought to have for your meeting at 3.30. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, let me read it to you. I'm just paraphrasing. It said, dear brother Jessup, my name is Rob Carlson. I met you in 1985, five years before. You were in southern Ontario, and you were preaching on planting churches in Canada. And I'd just come home from college and was working with my pastor. And after the service, I came up to you, and I said, brother Jessup, one day I'd like to do that. And you said, Rob, let me know. And let me know and I'll do what I can to help. He said, I wonder if that time has now come. He said, I've gotten married. I've met with my pastor. He thinks I'm ready to pastor a church and I'm writing to you to see if there's a door through which I could go to pastor a church. And I said, yeah, I need that letter. (laughs) I called his pastor. Got permission to talk to him. I called him up, worked out in just short time bringing him up to Winnipeg from southern, southern Ontario. I went back to my church on Sunday and I told them that story. It wasn't difficult to get those folks to go out and start two churches. That man came up and he became the pastor of the Golden Plains Baptist Church in Portage La Prairie, Manitoba. He's still the pastor of that church. On their 10th anniversary, no, 15th anniversary, he sent me a letter. He said, we just gave our one millionth dollar to missions. And I think we got that man because we prayed. We prayed for personnel. A few years later, 1994, I'd resigned the church, started the ministry, Baptist Church Planning Ministry. I was in southern Ontario with David Cummins. We were in a meeting together. And Dr. Cummins and I and the pastor went to Toronto to go to the the, uh, uh, People's Church. No, it wasn't People's Church. It was Jarvis Street Baptist Church where T.T. Shields had been the pastor. And uh, we looked through the building, a big historic building, bought some books from the bookstore. And on our way back, Dr. Cummins started asking about different towns. And I said, no, we don't have a church there. No, we don't have a church there. We went through Mississauga. We went through Oakville. We went through Burlington. We went through um, Ancaster. And town after town, there was no, no pastor By the time I got back to the church, I was thoroughly discouraged. And that night he preached on these two verses of scripture. And I went to the altar and I began praying that God would give us preachers for those towns. Every one of those towns along that corridor between Hamilton over to Toronto now has an independent Baptist church. 
In fact, they, some of them have more than one, two. I don't know how many churches have been planted in southern Ontario in the last 15 years. Probably 20 to 25 churches have been planted in that area. We prayed for personnel. And we need to pray that God would provide the personnel needed. Here are four biblical ways you can pray. You can pray for power. You can pray for protection. You can pray for provision. And you can pray for personnel. And prayer is the key to reaching this world with the gospel. We need you to pray. And I believe this church is a praying church. I've seen that while I've been here. And I'm thankful for that. Let's bow for prayer.